Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 114. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On today's show, we are discussing how luxury purchases make us feel. Now, luxury purchases mean different things to different people, right? What's luxury for me might be a fancy name brand handbag, whereas luxury for you might be the purchase of a private airplane. And although different consumers have different ideas about what exactly constitutes luxury, consumers are united in how these fancy smancy purchases end up making us feel. Let's take my designer handbag, for example. Let's say I go into the store and I pick out a real beauty, right? It's pristine. It's of high quality. It is a name brand that is in high demand. How do you think I'm going to feel after purchasing it? I'm going to feel awesome, right? I just scored this amazing new beautiful bag that everybody wants. Well, hold on to your horses. (laughs) Research into luxury consumption has a lot to say about how I'm going to feel after purchasing that bag. And spoiler alert, I'm not going to feel as awesome as you may think. On today's show, I am speaking with Dr. Daphna Gore and Dr. Nyla Ordebaeva, two researchers behind the study entitled The Paradox of Luxury Consumption, Understanding Consumers' Feelings of Inauthenticity. In our conversation today, we get into the real reasons why our aspirational purchases often backfire. Enjoy the interview. Dr. Gore and Dr. Ordabaeva, thank you so much for joining me on the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. I am absolutely thrilled to speak with you about your research into luxury consumption. But before we even talk about your research, I would love it if you both could introduce yourselves. Maybe Dr. Gore, we'll start with you. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's our pleasure. Um, My name is Daphna Gore. I'm a PhD student at Harvard Business School in the marketing unit, and I study branding and luxury consumption. I'm uh, Naila Ordabayeva, and I'm an associate professor of marketing at Boston College, and I study social status and sensory perception. Today, we are going to talk about the paradox of luxury consumption. 
But I feel as though before we even get there, we need to talk about aspirational spending. I've talked about it on the show before, but Dr. Ordobayeva, maybe you can define aspirational spending for us. What is it? What does it look like in real life? And what does aspirational spending tell us about consumers' identity? Yeah, so aspirational spending is the spending that consumers undertake to uh, reach out for an aspirational lifestyle. So consumers oftentimes spend money on luxury products or products that are a little bit more expensive that represent kind of an aspirational lifestyle, represent the lifestyles of people whom they admire, the rich and the famous, the successful. And so consumers oftentimes want to have a piece of that successful and aspirational lifestyle. And consumption is a very um, efficient way to do that. So most of the time, aspirational spending takes the form of luxury consumption, more expensive um, kind of the consumption of products and experiences that are a little bit more expensive than what a consumer would be able to afford in their daily lives. And uh, it's a very common uh, phenomenon. It takes place across the board. Many consumers, regardless of whether you are, you know, um, less affluent or more affluent, have some sort of, uh, an, uh, you know, aspirational image that they try to achieve. So for a consumer who's a little bit less affluent, it might be wearing those nice uh, branded, you know, sneakers, whereas for a, a more affluent consumer, it might be taking uh, a luxury jet to set off to a, a luxury vacation. But um, all consumers have, uh, you know, an image of something more, right, of a better lifestyle that they would like to experience and uh, consumption, consuming something that's a little bit more expensive, a little bit out of your price range is a way to do that. So what I hear you saying is that consumers often use these aspirational luxury purchases as a way to um, say something about themselves. Would that be right? Yes, that is correct. So um, it is very connected to our consumers' desire to feel like they're successful, feel like they're uh, achieving and doing something more than, you know, their, their regular kind of day daily lives. And this desire to, to aspire to be better, to, to you know, to reach a, a high, a more successful lifestyle is something that is, um, that cuts across the board and that uh, it kind of signals consumers' um, you know, kind of desire to to, uh, to to reach for something better, I suppose. Um, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it definitely does. And when I think about reaching for something better, it makes me wonder whether, of course, television, but also the internet, it has increased consumers' frame of reference for comparison. So, you know, we're no longer just comparing with our neighbors down the street, the Joneses, let's say. Because of television, because of the internet, we're able to compare with people so far beyond our own economic spheres. I would assume that that influences our rate or our amount of aspirational spending. Dr. Gore, would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. I think this is a great point uh, that with social media and the internet and everything is becoming so transparent and not only transparent, but it also the social media is inviting people or enables people to post their um, pictures of their best selves, right? 
of their uh, desirable lifestyle. And every if, if I bought a new product that I'm proud of, uh, like a Rolex watch, or if I went on a nice vacation, I would definitely put it on social media. And that leads uh, to more social comparisons. And that leads people to want to present an image that is um, an aspirational image, basically. Uh, so we want to signal to others that we are doing well. And that relates to our project in a sense that uh, we're building on this notion that people want to signal status and people want to um, consume luxury products and to show others that they're able to afford luxury products because that signals their higher status. Mm. Dr. Gore, I know you are the lead author on this study, so I'm going to go ahead and give you this question as we transition into talking about your research. What questions were you seeking to answer? Right. So we know that people, there are many benefits to um, buying luxury products, right? Uh, They're of higher quality, uh, they're indulging, and, and we love the idea of feeling and showing others that we are high status consumers or high status people. But we were wondering how do people actually feel when they engage in this behavior, when they buy luxury products. And what we found is that while luxury holds the promise for elevated status, what it, while it enables us to show others that we're doing very well, it can also make people feel inauthentic because it makes us feel that something about our self-views is not aligned with who we feel or who we think that we really are. Huh. That's fascinating. I, that's where the paradox comes in, right? We assume that that Louis Vuitton bag or whatever the luxury item is, is going to make us feel wonderful. But perhaps after that rush of dopamine fades, <laughs> it leaves us feeling inauthentic and bad. <laughs> so Dr. Ordebaeva, tell us, how did you study this? What was the research methodology? Yeah, so we actually conducted uh, a whole series of studies uh, that involved uh, many different demographics and different types of consumers. So a very uh, common uh, kind of methodology thread across the studies was that consumers uh, either engage in real or they thought about engaging in um, luxury consumption. And uh, half of the participants thought about or actually engaged in consuming a real luxury product uh, that was either very expensive or by a very uh, well-known luxury brand, or they engaged in a typical non-luxury consumption, kind of everyday uh, brand uh, that's less expensive. Afterwards, we asked participants to indicate, you know, um, to what extent they felt like they would exude social status, high status to to, uh, those around them. And we also measured how authentic they felt. felt. Uh, So we measured it through items such as, um, I feel that I'm true to myself, I feel like a fraud, I feel like an imposter. And we found that uh, across studies, people who engaged in consuming these high-status, expensive, luxurious goods felt like they were signaling higher status, but they also felt more like a fraud compared to people who were consuming a regular kind of low status or a low price brand. So for example, in one study, we had participants uh, in a luxury mall, right? They either um, tried out and, um, you know, consumed and and, um, experienced this uh, 
phone cover, an iPhone cover that was made by this luxurious Italian brand that was hundreds of dollars of worth. And it was made from a black gold versus the other half of the participants um, tried out and they experienced uh, kind of, a, you know, the same um, uh, phone cover, but which was framed to them as being just a metallic basic cover uh, that cost just $20, right? So it was the exact, an exact same luxurious cover, but half of the participants thought that it was super expensive and made by this luxurious brand, whereas the other half thought that it was very simple and made by uh, a regular brand. And people who thought that this uh, phone cover was expensive felt more self-conscious and more like a fraud when they were using it compared to people who thought that it was cheap. Um, and we find this across the board, uh, across Across many different types of consumers, consumers uh, who were interviewed uh, on, you know, at on the luxurious uh, vacation destination, you know, Martha's Vineyard, uh, women whom we interviewed at um, the Met Opera in New York, who are very familiar and very, you know, they're not strangers to luxury, as well as uh, more regular folks, less affluent folks uh, who were recruited online, and we found that across the board, regardless of whether somebody's affluent or less so, um, consumers, you know, as soon as they uh, think about consuming or they actually experience the consumption of a product that they thought is aspirational, luxurious, whatever luxury it means to that particular uh, segment, they felt less authentic and more like a fraud. I'm wondering if those feelings of being a fraud, are they lasting feelings? And if so, how long do those feelings last? Uh, so, yeah, um, we looked at this uh, the, in our studies. We measured uh, this, uh, these feelings, you know, as people were consuming these products or as when they were thinking about consuming these products. Um, and we do find that these feelings actually occur across um, the majority of consumers. So there are very few groups of consumers who don't experience these feelings. And uh, that turns out to be consumers who feel inherently psychologically entitled, who feel that they, uh, you know, they deserve the best things in life. And so, uh, but for everybody else, it seems like these feelings are, are very strong. And it's we found it to be very hard to actually um, make these feelings go away or make these feelings or weaken these feelings um, because of such a strong aspirational image that luxury products have. Um, so we, we did look at, you know, whether these feelings depend on, you know, how accustomed you are to luxury and, you know, whether they depend on how frequently you consume luxury. And indeed, you know, if you are a very frequent luxury consumer, eventually after you've, you know, you bought many luxury products in a short period of time, you know, you get used to those products a little bit more. But we found that for most people, uh, these feelings are really hard to, to, uh, to weaken and uh, to make go away. So if I may join uh, and, and just highlight a few things that Nalia and Dr. Ardabieva said, um, so what's interesting is that we find that a lot of people really identify with this idea uh, when we were presenting this uh, and, and uh, when we were interviewing people, so many uh, individuals have said, yes, I, I feel the same and gave specific examples from their lives uh, to when they feel in, they felt inauthentic using uh, different luxury products. And the interesting part is that while we were starting by interviewing uh, people that were more aspirational consumers, when we moved 
to interview and, and study uh, segments of, of consumers who are more affluent, we found the same. We find that even if you are an affluent person, um, you are uh, you can feel less authentic. You can feel like an imposter when uh, you use something that you yourself consider luxury. And it's not that everyone feel that way. There are people that their personalities allow them to feel completely comfortable with luxury products. They feel like they deserve the product. They feel like they deserve luxury and luxurious lifestyle, right? Uh, so to them, there's no problem. It's interesting. One thing that um, we found that has an effect on how we feel about uh, a luxury and the idea of luxury is how you grew up as a child. And uh, if you grew up not surrounded by a luxurious lifestyle, then you're even more likely to feel like an imposter when you buy luxury products. And this is an interesting uh, fact because almost 70% of today, today's millionaires are self-made. So these people grew up um, in a different lifestyle than what they can afford today. And that means that a lot of consumers can afford luxury products. And actually, when they buy them, they feel um, uncomfortable and less authentic when they use them. And so it leads to, the, to this fact that they're actually using them less. And there are different motives to buy luxury products. So we're not saying at all that um, people are not buying luxury products, but we're, we're finding that... We want to buy luxury. We want to show that we uh, are people who understand and, and can afford luxury products uh, and we may even enjoy them. Um, but there are different reasons uh, to buying and using luxury products. For example, if you go to a networking event, if you go to some formal party, then you're more likely to be, you're, you'll be more interested in showing others that you are that kind of person. But when you are a, at home, when you're with friends, people want to feel authentic. And in these situations, uh, they'll be less likely to use luxury products because they want to feel authentic when they're with their um, close friends and family. Hmm. It seems to me the most practical takeaway from your research study is that consumers should be aware of the paradox of the luxury items, right? So you buy this thinking you're going to feel great. <laughs> but in fact, for many of us, if not most of us, these luxury items are going to leave us feeling like an imposter. Are there any other takeaways from your research that my listeners can gain? Yeah, so that is a big takeaway of our work, right? Um, oftentimes, uh, luxury is very alluring, right? It's very uh, attractive. It's, you know, it calls on many consumers because it represents such a, a fantasy, such a beautiful lifestyle, right? But um, one thing, uh, one message that our research highlights is that it's helpful for consumers to think a little bit further ahead, right? And to think about what it would be like to actually consume that luxury product. And um, because once you're actually at that consumption stage, once that first adrenaline rushes over, uh, you might actually end up feeling um, 
not feeling as great because of uh, these feelings of inauthenticity. And one um, bigger point that perhaps our, our work um, highlights is, is just how important feeling authentic is to consumers. So we are living in the age of authenticity, right? We um, admire celebrities who say that we need to wake up and smell the coffee, right? That uh, we need to tr- live uh, our true lives and be our true selves. And this is really... Um, um, impacting how uh, consumers experience the marketplace and products around them. And um, this notion, this importance of authenticity is impacting people's experiences with this, these aspirational products. So it's important to kind of think of how, um, think about uh, who we truly are when we are purchase, making these um, high stakes purchases and to reflect on whether, um, you know, we truly feel that this purchase will reflect our inner self or whether it might create the conflict between how we see ourselves and what this product is promising. Um, So so perhaps uh, in some cases it can um, help us make uh, smarter choices um, uh, along the way. Uh, One uh, quick additional thing uh, that our findings highlight is that, you know, marketers can help consumers feel you know, more deserving, right? There is some room uh, for improving the marketing messages for these aspirational products to really, you know, find messages and find kind of stories that can help consumers connect better uh, with uh, the, you know, the the imagery that aspirational products represent. So perhaps connecting to consumers, you know, personal stories as opposed to highlighting brand stories uh, could um, help these aspirational products connect with consumers at a deeper level. Hmm. Your response makes me think about the rise of influencer marketing too. Of course, you know, in 2020, many of us follow celebrities on social media, but we also follow influencers and influencers get paid to pose in these goods, luxury or not, right? But the power behind influencer marketing is that we as consumers follow these influencers because we feel as though they are like us. And when it comes to purchasing and purchasing decisions more specifically, I think it's really important for consumers to discern the influencer who's getting paid to post a picture in this outfit, let's say, versus our own actual selves. So separating ourselves from the influencers online persona. That's just some thoughts there. Dr. Gore, I would love to ask you my final question, which is, what lingering questions do you still have with regard to the paradox of luxury consumption? And where can research go next with this topic? Wow, Um, that is a great question. There are so many uh, questions that are still left to be explored. Uh, One thing is to understand um, how this effect actually, like you said before, lingers and how can we um, um, change as people and, and, and um, learn more about who we are and develop a, a, a taste for luxury at the same time. And is it different for consumers from, in, from the West and from the East? Um, so I think that there are a lot of really interesting questions maybe different consumers, like maybe mothers uh, would buy more luxury products, more, more 
expensive strollers for their children, but not to themselves. And uh, why is that? You know, there are a lot of uh, nuances in this research that are uh, worth exploring. And I'm excited about uh, the future of this research. Just one more point here. (laughs) I know we're wrapping it up, but you just mentioned the um, expensive stroller. And as a mother, the societal pressure to buy the expensive stroller is real. But there's another um, piece to that puzzle, which is quality. And luxury items often market themselves as being high quality. And so you know, conscious consumers, they often want to spend a little bit more on the quality item. So the stroller or the crib or the whatever doesn't break prematurely. And so I would love to, I would love it if you, please, (laughs) uh, explored the connection between luxury consumption and quality and how quality plays into a consumer's decision to buy a luxury item, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yes, of course. I'm just wondering why would a mother, uh, when she considers the category of high quality strollers, would choose one brand over the other? And it could be that the more expensive brand that is just overpriced seems signals to her that this is a better stroller just because it's more expensive, uh, but not necessarily because it's a better quality, right? Um, so, we're talking about this, all the symbols that people think about when they're making purchases. Um, and so it could be that one stroller si- symbolizes something that we want to have, that we aspire to have just because it's more expensive, for example, but not because it's uh, better quality. And there are other questions like that. You're, you're talking about motherhood. We can think about... Um, sustainable consumption, how does that fit into the world of luxury um, and what makes us today, you know, luxury brands are trying to, some of them trying to become more green and some of them completely refuse this idea. Uh, So I think it's interesting to understand how consumers think about um, these, uh, these ideas and who are the people who would be more interested in the more expensive yet same um, level of a, a quality or more expensive yet less or more green. These are all questions that uh, we're definitely will love to pursue in the future. Dr. Gore and Dr. Ordebaeva, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, for conducting the research, and more importantly, for getting your findings out into the world. I so appreciate you giving me your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Daphna Gore and Dr. Nyla Ordebaeva. I have linked to their research study in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 114. That's mamaminimalist.com forward slash 114. Now I have an eco tip this week. Thank you to all of you who reached out. Adeline wrote to me from the other side of the world to share her love of Ethique. Ethique makes shampoo bars, conditioner bars, and deodorant bars, which are cost-friendly and eco-friendly. So if you are looking for that shampoo bar that actually works for your hair, you've tried the other ones on the market and they're just... 
They're just not doing it for you. Check out Ethique. And Adeline told me something that I didn't know, which is that Ethique also has a range of baby products. Thank you so much, Adeline. On next week's show, we are discussing simple routines, keyword simple routines, to keep your family organized. I will see you then. Have an amazing week and take care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.